Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. All right, so today we're beginning a new series. It's uh, called Sabbath, the Forgotten Commandment. And uh, before we jump in, I wanted to give you some um, reference books that I've been reading. I've read these all over the past year. They all talk about Sabbath in some way. Only one of them, though, is specifically about Sabbath from start to finish. The rest of them talk about Sabbath fairly deeply, but it's more as uh, a principle and as a they talk about it in relation to, you know, a practice that we should be doing as Christ followers so that we can be whole spiritually, emotionally and physically. So I wanted to put those up there. Uh, Three books uh, or five books, actually. The Emotionally Healthy Leader. Um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. Those are all by Peter Schizero. Go back to the other one real quick, guys. Um, The top one, The Emotionally Healthy Leader, is by far the best book that I've ever read in my entire life, second to the Bible. If you want a book that will challenge your life, challenge your faith, and just cause you to look at things in a completely different way, that top book, and they all kind of carry a similar theme, obviously, but that top book, The Emotionally Healthy Leader, uh, wrecked me uh, for the good, and I don't think I'll ever be the same again. But those three books are incredible. The next one um, is The Deeply Formed Life by Rich Velodas. Um, And then finally, Take the Day Off by Pastor Robert Morris. Use a lot of his material uh, from time to time. Just, just great teaching on this topic. His book is the only one that's specifically about Sabbath from start to finish. And of course, the Bible. Uh, we definitely want to get some reference from that. Um, today will largely be an introduction to this important topic. And let me start by saying that I don't know everything there is to know about Sabbath. Um, and the truth is, most of the topical subject matter that we cover, cover here is only partially understood. Uh, I mean, it would be impossible for anyone to know all that there is to know, because if so, we'd have no need for God or to continue to dig into his word if we knew everything. Um, But from a practical perspective, uh, we, Katie and I, our family, we're in the process of figuring this one out. I'm not on the other side of it yet. Uh, We're right in the middle of it. Uh, We're growing and learning. Sabbath is something that Katie and I have been experimenting with for really just over a year, maybe 13 months or so. And that may kind of sound weird on the front end, experimenting with Sabbath. Um, It's really a way of saying we're we're learning. We're learning to take a Sabbath or a weekly time of rest. We're experimenting with the best times, uh, the best days, things like that. We're learning how to live from a place of Sabbath or from a place of rest, and it's a lot. Uh, It's not easy. It sounds like it should be easy, but unfortunately it's not. Um, If you've been around over the last year, you probably heard me talk about it from time to time. But I will say this, that learning the principle of Sabbath has been revolutionary for us. And I believe that it will be revolutionary for you as well. We don't always get it right. Again, we're still learning. Um... Most people that have been around church uh, for a good portion of their life have at least least heard about Sabbath. Some of you in the room probably memorized the Ten Commandments at some point in your life, maybe as a kid. Maybe you can recite them. Maybe you can recite, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 
But I'm guessing other than memorizing that portion of the verse, you probably haven't heard much teaching on the subject. I know that I hadn't. Um, There are others in the room who didn't grow up in church. And maybe the word Sabbath just sounds like a weird word. Um, But the biblical definition is this. It's very simple. It's cease, desist, or rest from work. All right? Cease, desist, rest from work. Now, our 2022 theme is renew. That's why you see people wearing shirts that say renew, or you see it on the pre-service slides, etc. And we spent extensive time talking about Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and how to renew our minds. That was one of my favorite series that we've ever done, and I'd highly recommend, if you weren't here for that, to go back and listen to it, uh, especially if you're new to the church. It'll get you kind of caught up to where we are. Now, I'm going to be intertwining some of that content into this series on Sabbath because the concepts are just so closely related. Um, To be honest, it's difficult to do one without the other. Um, I almost went straight from the Renew series in the front end of the year straight into the Sabbath series, but I opted to push it to the back part of the year so that we could keep this theme of renewal in front of us from start to finish for the whole year. So I want to go back to that just kind of as a, as a bedrock before we move into the new part. So Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. How many of you remember talking about that on the front end of the year? Okay, so let me do a quick review on some of those things. The word conform is the Greek word schema. And it means habitus, which is not a word that we use much in our English language. Now, you could probably use your context clues to see how the word habitus, uh, which is not a common word, and the word habit, which is a common word, are closely related. An oversimplified version or a definition between the two or, or a difference between the two would be a habit is something that we do, but your habitus is who we are. All right, I want to look a little bit deeper at that word habitus. Now, there are various meanings Um, depending on if you're looking at that word through like an anthropology lens or a sociology lens, whatever. But the overall concept is the same no matter what lens you're looking. And this is kind of a different kind of message, so hang with me. Uh, According to Oxford, habitus is this. It's a set of norms and expectations unconsciously acquired by individuals through experience and socialization as embodied dispositions. In other words, it's inherent qualities of mind or character. And it's internalized as second nature. All right, so in other words, the way we do things is often acquired unconsciously. The way we act, the way we respond to people, the way we respond to things and events around us, the way that we think is often developed without effort. And what's worse is that it's internalized as second nature, meaning we give it no second thought. It's just who we are. The definition continues. It says the concept of habitus was proposed as an integral part of behavior reflected in. And this is very important language reflected in a way of being, including ways of seeing, moving, talking and so on. This verbiage is so important. Paul, the writer of Romans, is telling us, don't allow your way of being or your habitus to be shaped unconsciously into the same pattern of the culture around you. I got to do this and I got to do that. And this is the way we do things here. and This is the way we do things there. And I know I said this before and it 
it's but so many times we get trapped in a doo-doo mentality. Right? If I do enough good, I'll be accepted. If I give enough, if I serve enough, if I help enough. But God is calling us out of the doo-doo. He's calling us to a place of being, resting in who he is. Look, Scripture tells us that all of our righteousness as plural are as filthy rags. That means even the good things that we do, even the good parts, are dirty, filthy old rags. We can't earn right standing with God. When we become a follower of Jesus, righteousness is not earned, it's accepted. The theological term would be imputed. Meaning that righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus is given to us even though we didn't do anything to deserve it. We're adopted into the family of God. We become sons and daughters, joint heirs with Jesus, sharing in his righteousness, sharing in his authority, sharing in his anointing. That's a good place to say amen. Amen. All of our doing for God must flow from our being with God. Now, just the other day when I was preparing these notes, I had a lot to do. There was a lot on my plate for the day. I had to go to Sam's. This was a couple of weeks ago. I had to go to Sam's, get all the supplies for Church at the Lake. It was Friday, and every Friday at 3.30 p.m., my alarm goes off that says, prepare for Sabbath. And I'm going to be sharing some practical things like that as we move through the series. But that 3.30 alarm lets me know, because we start our Sabbath at 6 p.m., That lets me know that I've got two and a half hours to wrap up what I'm working on because Sabbath again starting Friday night at 6 p.m. Again, I'll talk more about that in the future. But that day I was on limited time, had to get a lot done. So I went straight to my Garfus. For those of you that aren't that are new around here, that's my office and my garage combined. And so my Garfus, it's a shed that's outside of our house. So I go in there and I begin to type. And I'm about an hour of typing into these notes that I'm sharing to you with. And I realized that I'd spent no time with God. None. And I was like, how am I typing notes about being with God before doing for God and not spending any time with God? So I stopped what I was doing. And I realized that my morning pace was just too fast. So I slowed down. Spent a few minutes in silence trying to center my thoughts and my spirit to connect with God before continuing. See, we are unhealthy spiritually and emotionally when we engage in more activities than our combined spiritual, physical, and emotional reserves can sustain. We're unhealthy when we give out for God more than we receive from Him. And the truth is, is that we can get by with this for a little while. It's possible It's possible to do the ministry of Jesus without Jesus. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name, perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. They were doing without being. They were doing the work of Jesus without Jesus. See, when Jesus says, I never knew you, that word knew is referring to being intimately known. These people were prophesying and casting out demons and performing miracles, but Jesus didn't know them because there was no intimacy. Their doing for God did not flow from a place of being with God. 
And I think this could also serve as a warning to us. Just because you see something happening and looking like it's Jesus, it might not be. And we better be asking the Lord to have, so we have some discernment in our lives. When somebody comes up and starts healing people, you're like, oh, something feels off about that. But don't we do the same thing? Too many followers of Jesus are chronically overextended and doing more for Jesus than their inner life with him can sustain. It's normal for us to be overloaded, depleted, and exhausted. Anybody ever felt like that? God is calling us to something better, a life of being before doing, a life that doesn't just know of God or know about God, but a life that's based on intimacy with Jesus. All right, so what does any of this have to do with Sabbath or rest? Our habitus or our way of being is being formed by the culture around us. Remember, Paul's saying, don't conform. Don't allow who you are to be shaped by the culture around us. But, but it is. It is being shaped that way. And that includes the way we rest and what we think about rest. Right? Everybody's working for the weekend. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. No shoes, no shirt. Bring me to... <laughs> Nobody knows that song? Thanks. One guy... <laughs> <laughs> the point that I'm making is that the way we view rest is often very secular. We're working for the weekend. I'm working so I can go out with my friends and have a few beers. I'm working so I can get on the boat and do whatever. I'm working so I can do whatever. And our, our view of rest, again, is secular. And because the way we rest is based on a secular model instead of a biblical model, the results that we get are secular and not biblical. Meaning that as Christ followers, we're just as tired, exhausted, depleted, and anxious as those who don't know Christ. And as James, the brother of Jesus, once famously said, brothers and sisters, this should not be. There was a time when 24-hour stores and restaurants were few and far between. Towns all over America would literally shut down Friday at 5 p.m. Some stores would reopen on Saturday, but a lot of those same stores would only be open half of a day. So literally by 12, 1 p.m. in the afternoon on Saturday, people were home with their families. In 2020, when the pandemic was just getting started, stores and restaurants were shutting down earlier and earlier. A couple of different times, I drove from Bellevue to Ocala to get coffee, only to find Starbucks and clothes by 6 p.m. I quickly learned to check the hours online before you go anywhere. But at first, my life seemed disrupted. I'd become so accustomed to going wherever, whenever. Oh, I forgot this. I need to go get this. I'll just shoot up to Walgreens and get this, or I'll run to Walmart. But Walgreens now closed much earlier, and Walmart was no longer 24-7 for the first time in I don't know how long. One day I had this feeling. I was driving by Walgreens, headed toward the house, and I was like, this is kind of nice. Kind of feels like it used to. I bet some of those people are glad to be home with their families instead of working these crazy hours. Look, and I know that some of those people needed those hours and that those new hours affected people's livelihoods. And I'm not trying to make light of any of that. I'm just simply saying that as I looked around and there were less things to do and less places to go, and once I had detoxed from my addiction to go, 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 the slower pace felt kind of nice. Over the past couple of years, we've all become more familiar with words like pandemic and epidemic and endemic. 
But I would suggest to you today that we're facing another kind of pandemic. It's a pandemic of our souls. It's a plague of spirit, soul, and body exhaustion. Our culture of self-improvement, self-advancement through individual effort has resulted in tens of millions of people living burned out, stressed out lives. We're never off and we're never unplugged. We're never not bombarded by tasks, information, obligations, and other stimulation. And it's taking an enormous toll, and it's taking an enormous toll on our well-being. In his book, it's called Margin, Restoring Emotional, Physical, and Time Reserves to Overloaded Lives, Dr. Richard Swenson, who was a medical doctor, said this, Most of us are living, this is a quote, most of us are living marginless lives. Marginless is being 30 minutes late to the doctor's office because you were 20 minutes late getting out of the bank because you were 10 minutes late dropping the kids off at school because the car ran out of gas two blocks from the gas station and you forgot your wallet. (laughs) Anybody ever been there? Margin, on the other hand, he says, is having breath at the top of the staircase, money at the end of the month, and sanity left at the end of adolescence. How many of us are living lives without margin? I joked uh, several weeks ago that most of us are one traffic jam away from derailing our entire day. That's not really a joke, is it? We cut things so closely that literally one unforeseen construction zone will throw us off the entire day. We're living stressed and depleted lives. Did you know that stress is a factor in five out of the six leading causes of death? Heart disease, cancer, stroke, lower respiratory disease, and accidents. An estimated 75 to 90% of all doctor visits are for stress-related issues. In 2016, an article in Forbes magazine cited a study that estimated as many as one, people, uh, one million people per day miss work because of stress. And the cost of this loss of productivity was estimated to be between $150 and $300 billion annually for American employers. And the saddest part is this, is that these stats include just as many Jesus followers as non-believers. Followers of Jesus are supposed to be recognized by our fruit, by our love, our joy, our peace, our patience. Remember that from the Fruit of the Spirit series? We can't love well if we're stressed. It's difficult to exude the joy of the Lord when we're exhausted. The peace of God seems to take a back seat when we're overwhelmed with anxiety and worry and nervousness. And herein lies the problem. Because as our culture has changed, Christ followers have changed with it. So back to Romans 12 too, do not conform. Don't allow your way of being to be shaped or to be patterned after this world. Remember, conform is habitus, your way of being. Paul, the writer of tele, of, of the, Paul, the writer of this letter to the Christians in Rome, is saying we cannot allow our way of being to be unconsciously formed by our social constructs, but we have. We're just as stressed and burned out as the rest of the world. Sabbath or resting is so foreign to us. It feels like some ancient practice that just doesn't apply to us anymore. And while it is an ancient practice, it most certainly still applies to us today. Let's look again at the scripture 
Again, this is an introduction, and we're going to go deeper into this topic, and I'm going to share some practical ideas in the weeks to come. But the Ten Commandments in list form are this. One, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet. How many heard these before? Three people, perfect. So you're learning a lot today. <laughs> Exodus chapter 20. Now let's read through these in the form that they were written in. All right, Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. We're going to skip the next four verses and come back to them at the end. So we're going to go Exodus 20. We're going to go back. We're going to drop to verse 12. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. All right. Now, the first three commandments are centered around how we should relate to God. Don't worship other gods. Don't make graven images. And don't take the name of the Lord in vain. The last six commandments speak to how we are to relate to other people. Honor your parents. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. And don't covet other people's stuff. And then that leaves us the infamous forgotten commandment. Number four, which is found in verse eight. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. See, while the first three help us relate to God, the last six help us relate to people. But this fourth commandment is unique. Because these eight simple words, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, speaks to how we are to relate to God, relate to ourselves, and relate to others. See, Moses is the writer of the book of Exodus. And just so we wouldn't confuse what God was trying to say, he added more commentary to commandment number four than any of the other commandments. Let's finish reading his words. Verse 9, he says, Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now listen. We don't keep the Ten Commandments in order to earn our salvation. We talked about that earlier. All of our righteousness is plural or is filthy rags. And we've all failed some point at, at keeping these commandments. That's why we need Jesus. But at the same time, while we don't keep these commandments in order to be in right standing with God, keeping or not keeping these commandments still carries with it blessing and consequences. 
Anybody tracking with me? If you wake up today and decide today's the day you're going to become a thief, there's going to be consequences. Killing someone has consequences. Adultery has consequences. Lying has consequences. Even though these, these things don't determine our right standing with God, there's still consequences. When we live a life marked by breaking God's commands, there are curses and consequences associated with that behavior. However, if we live a life that honors His commands, there are blessings associated with that behavior. Maybe the blessing is as simple as I'm not in jail today because I didn't take something that didn't belong to me. Or because I didn't kill someone I was angry with. Or maybe the blessing is I have a happy, fruitful, satisfying marriage because I didn't commit adultery. There are blessings and curses, benefits, consequences. I mean, when we look at God's top 10 list, as Christ followers, we shouldn't at least think of lying, stealing, cheating on our spouse. We wouldn't think of having an idol made and brought into our house and just there it is and we bow down and we worship it. Fill in the blank with whatever of the nine commandments you want. But then there's number four. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy and most of us don't give it a second thought. Why would we think that all of the other nine commandments have associated blessings and curses, but somehow believe that the command to keep Sabbath is neutral or optional? The truth is it's not. There are grave consequences associated with ignoring Sabbath. But there are amazing blessings associated with honoring it. All right, let's circle back to Romans 12 too. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. All right, so what does Sabbath have to do with renewing our minds? For thousands of years, people have honored Sabbath, but our modern culture has forsaken it. And as Christ followers, I think it's partially because we don't understand Sabbath or how it really applies to us. Again, we've unconsciously conformed, to use Paul's words, or we've allowed our habitus or way of being to be shaped by the culture. And so instead of honoring the Sabbath, instead of setting aside a 24-hour period each week devoted to the Lord for rest and refreshing and delight, we are now burning the candle at both ends just like the rest of the world. Now, Romans 12, 2, when Paul says, renew your mind, that word renew means to renovate or a complete change for the better. We have allowed our way of being to be unconsciously formed by the culture around us. And our thoughts, again, regarding rest, refreshing, and Sabbath need to be renewed or renovated. That means that some of us are going to have to tear down some old ways of thinking regarding rest to make room for the renovation that God wants to bring to our lives. There's so much to unpack here. I'm going to start to wrap this up. In, in the weeks to come, uh, we're, going to, you know, we're just going to keep going deeper. I found, you know, when we began the church, I found that sometimes on the front end of a, of a topic that, I, th I feel like it's going to be simple. And then when I jump in, I'm like, this is so not simple. Just a few weeks into the church, we did a series called Basic. And we we're just talking about salvation and tithing and just some basic 
Christianity 101. But when I, and on the salvation day, I thought this would be so easy, right? I mean, this is what you, you grew up in church. This is what you know your whole life. And then it just became like this deeply complicated, like, so I found that just through this, the history of the church, as I dive into these subjects, it's just, I'm thinking, all right, two, three weeks, we'll be done. And then it gets into this, like this big, like, I'm, you know, all these subcategories or whatever. And we're going to hit some of those subcategories that we'll get to. But anyway, what I'm saying is, as we move through here, we're going to go deeper. Um, and I'm going to give you some practical things. Today's not very practical. I get that. I give you a lot of statistics and some stuff like that. But let me at least give you a definition, a working definition of what is Sabbath. Now, I mentioned earlier the biblical meaning of the word Sabbath literally means to cease, desist, or to rest from work. And then holy, as most of you know, or some of you will know, holy means set apart. We've talked about that before. And so when Scripture says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, literally what it's saying is a 24-hour period set aside to the Lord our God to do no work so that we can rest, refresh, and delight in Him. 24-hour period set aside to the Lord our God to do no work so that we can rest, refresh, and delight in Him. And you can come play. I'm going to wrap this up. Even though we haven't gotten into the practical side of things yet, I want to challenge you to begin asking this question in your family. All right, so just start today at lunch this week. And I want you to ask this question, what could Sabbath look like in your life or in your family? Talk to your spouse, talk to your kids. What would it look like to have 24-hour periods set aside to the Lord? And some of you are like, it's not possible, I can't do it. And I want to say, I get it. I hear you. And I'll share more about this in the future. But when we first started doing Sabbath, first I did it by myself. I didn't even talk to Katie about it. And it started, you know, again, a year or so ago. For the first four years of this church, on Saturday evening, I was still typing notes. It wasn't because I didn't know what I was speaking about, but I was still just typing, clarifying, going through it again. And it felt like I was, I could never have Saturday off. It felt like I could never get it. So before learning about Sabbath, I was like, I've got to take my Saturday back. And so we began pushing a hard deadline for Friday to have, make sure everything's completed for Friday. And that led us into a bunch of new teaching on Sabbath and things I'd never heard before in all of my life. And so Internally, by myself, I started making a change. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. Let's just see if I can see if it's sustainable. I started pushing for Friday to have everything done. And, and again, I was secretly trying to have this Sabbath just to see if it would work. And this will sound, maybe this will sound stupid to you, but I remember last year when football season started and I had my first Saturday and I was done. And I sat on the couch and I watched my first football game in four years without feeling the stress of, I got to go back to my office and work. And I took a big breath of fresh air. And I was like, I'm not going back to that. Again, I still didn't even understand Sabbath. 
And I did this for a few weeks, and then I started talking to Katie about what Sabbath would look like for us. So we started experimenting with it. And again, I'm going to get practical things later. And so we began, we started this journey. And from that time till now, I haven't worked another Saturday. I just, you know, there's things we have to do. People call us. We got to go do things or forget things or whatever. We're not perfect at it. But when we do it right, the atmosphere in our house is much different. So I want to encourage you. I'm, I'm saying that to say, I never thought it was possible for me to have Saturday free, let alone have a Sabbath. So if you hear this, you're like, there's no way I can't do this. I cannot do it. I can't devote 24 hours to the Lord. I can't whatever. You can do it, but it's going to be some work. I want to say I hear you, but it can be done. So this week, ask the question, what could Sabbath look like in your life? What would it look like? What would it look like to have a 24 hour period set aside to the Lord? And that, you know, again, that sounds weird in our culture. Like, you know, what am I going to just pray all day or read the Bible all day or whatever? No, you watch football. That's what I did. You watch football and take naps. You do things that bring you delight, that refuel you, that refresh you. And you enhance your awareness that God is everywhere all the time. When you walk out, you slow down and you look at the sky and it's bluer and it's greener. The grass is greener and all this stuff because you're, you have this awareness for 24 hours. You're focusing on God is everywhere all the time. Again, I can tell you from experience that over the last year that it's not been easy. We're still having conversations about how to get this right. But I can also tell you this. It's been one of the most life-changing things that I've ever done. And I believe with all of my heart that it will be one of the most life-changing things for you, for you personally as an individual, for your family, and for your relationship with God. Again, we wouldn't think of committing adultery, stealing, or murder. Why is it okay in our minds to just ignore the Sabbath? Again, we don't keep the commandments to be in right standing with God. We don't, that's not it. We're going to talk more about that in the future. It's not about being in right standing with God. It's about honoring the principle of rest, which is, first of all, it predates the law. And secondly, it postdates the law because it goes all the way into the New Testament. Where Jesus said, enter, he says, enter the rest that I have for you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I want to challenge us over the next few weeks as we go deeper into this, just to give it some thought. And at the end of this series, we'll have some sort of commitment type service. I don't know if that'll look like filling out a card or whatever, but I want you to be thinking about it now, what it might look like. And it may feel overwhelming, like I can't, I don't, I don't know, how will I get everything done? I feel like I just want to just do the whole series right here today. So I keep, but it's faith, it's faith. We got a lot of tithers in the room. Sometimes you're like, I don't know how I'm going to pay for everything if I give 10% to the Lord. I only have 90%. But you know that the 90% that's blessed because of the 10% you give, it's the same thing. It's a faith thing with honoring the Sabbath. The other six days that you have will be blessed as you honor Him with the first fruits of the week. Let's pray just for a moment. God, this is such a big topic. I, I stand here even... To, sometimes questioning it myself, trying to figure out how this can be done. 
But God, I pray that you will help us to enter into a new place of being with you. And part of that being with you so that we can do for you is resting in you. Understanding that Jesus is our Sabbath. I, accepting that and, and, and everything we do then flowing from a place of being with Jesus and being, being refreshed from the rest that we have with you. God, I pray that you'll begin to give us creativity and God, you'll calm our fears and our worries and our, our anxieties that say, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but you'll just give us a sense of rest and peace right now, even in this moment, to know that as we trust you, that as we step out in faith, you bless the rest. We thank you for it. On behalf of Pastor Randy and the entire staff at Everyday Church, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz.